0: Welcome to Ira's Everything Bagel, where I talk with intriguing people about everything, their passions, pursuits, and points of view. In the late 60s, Dave Rubin wrote a book called Everything You Always Wanted to Know About Sex But Were Afraid to Ask. Today's guest could easily have written Everything You Wanted to Know About Judaism But Were Afraid to Ask. Instead, he's written a book for this century. Rabbi Michael Strassfeld is author of the new book Judaism Disrupted, a Spiritual Manifesto for the 21st Century, published by Ben Yehuda Press. The book is available on Amazon, Barnes Noble, and all the usual places. And for everything about Michael Strasfeld, go to MichaelStrasfeld.com And Rabbi Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So what is it about Judaism that needs to be disrupted?
1: Well, uh, I use the word in both ways, meaning that Uh, Judaism is being disrupted because we live in disruptive times, I don't have to tell you. And also, I think the purpose of uh, Judaism is to, in
0: a good way, to disrupt people's lives. Interesting. So you're approaching it from two different angles. What is the thing about Judaism that disrupts people's lives? And do you think sometimes the moral aspect of Judaism tends to grate on some people, and that's perhaps possibly some of where that blanket anti-Semitism seems to come from, the left, the right. It's independent of race, religion, nationality. It just seems to be popping up here, there, everywhere, and goes away for a while, then it comes back. It never quite goes away, totally. I know this is a cosmic question for you to answer, but you're the perfect person.
1: Three questions in there. Let me pick up on the anti-Semitism, just because that's where you ended up. You know, I think that's interesting the way you put it that it, it, that maybe the, you know, some of the moral aspects or the, or the practices of Judaism great on people. I, I think it's, it's also that we, the part, we live in disruptive times to use that word again. And I think that's very unsettling to people. I, I think it's particularly unsettling when things that you just, take for granted as this is the way the world has always worked and continues to work. And that's no longer exactly true or it's not true for everybody. So things about sexuality, about sexual identity, about gender, about how our society operates, et cetera, et cetera, are are being challenged in lots of different ways. And I think people that find particularly the way that they imagine life is supposed to be when they feel that's being challenged it, be, it leads to a sense of of confusion and then perhaps anger at that things seem to be changing and what's going on here and i think then what happens is that people look for someone to blame and there's a long history of, of blaming Jews and broadly it's people who seem different or other and that becomes easy to to blame people who are not like us, not like you, not like whoever it is that's doing that thinking and uh, and we live in a an in increasingly divided society in that sense it's not so surprising that it comes to that anti semitism is on the rise again
0: would you say that uh, there's a co- I, I want to jump
1: to the other questions but go ahead no no please finish uh let's see if I can remember I <laughs> I, I think he, he, here's the yeah I think the important other one I wanted to say something about is that often and I think this is true of of, of many Jews they feel Judaism is really about being a good Jew, and a good Jew would be someone who is involved in their synagogue regularly, and perhaps keeps the dietary laws, keeps kosher, or observes the Jewish holidays, believes in God, and and then they feel well. I don't. I am speaking for them. I don't do those things, and and therefore I'm not a good Jew. Or what Judaism has to offer has really not so much to to do with my life and the things i care about i wrote the book because i i think judaism has wisdom and practices to uh, enable a person to take the most precious gift that we've been given which is our lives and live them live them with purpose and meaning and so the disruption is to, is in a way to say pay attention, pay attention to the things that you're struggling with, pay attention to the way that, you know, we kind of sleepwalk through life at times and understand that, that your life can be much fuller and much more meaningful and that the things that you find hold you back and you struggle with in terms of your your personality and the qualities of your life, um, that you can do something about that. And live, live a life that's more caring and more meaningful. Well, what you said. That's, that's what Judaism is, and that's how it
0: disrupts. It says there's, it could be so much more. So people may misinterpret the title of the book because what it sounds to me as if you're saying people of, whether it's just Judaism or just people of faith, regardless of what the faith is, they have certain principles. And they follow them, and even in disruptive times, quote unquote, if they focus on that, they will be able to, now maybe projecting or weather the storm in a sense, as opposed to people who don't have any faith and are very, not necessarily cynical, maybe not even atheistic, but agnostic, and they may have some issues to deal with that they can't quite focus on, whereas it seems to be a little bit more... I don't know the word is easier for people of faith, and particularly Jews. Well, I think it's—I think you're
1: right. In other words, I—I th- I think when times are disrupted, disruptive, it's very—it's hard. It's—it's it's hard for everyone, not just for people who, as I was talking about, people who feel that the world is changing under their feet. They don't know where they're standing anymore. But I—I I think everybody. I mean, whether it's been these years of COVID, or whether it's the divisions in in our society, or whether it's the the challenge of the the world, the weather, all, all these things that are happening, that there's plenty to be worried about without being paranoid in, <laughs> in our world, today, right? And it's hard to be optimistic in in some ways, and and so you could, in response, you know, say, well these people are responsible with, or or these things aren't happening enough. Say, well, what can I do starting perhaps on a personal level? What would make my life better? You know, I'm not talking about like winning the lottery. Probably that would make anybody's (laughs) life better. But it's, we all have things that we struggle with, whether it's, whether it's generosity, whether it's anger, whether it's it's feeling uh, jealous of of what other people have and 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 you don't, and the truth is those aren't like great places to be living. You know, wouldn't you want to live in a, a place where you, uh, where you feel satisfied and and happy and and you experience gratitude for the blessings that you have in your life, which You know, everybody has blessings and, and people also have, have challenges and losses and difficulties, you know, and some of those have nothing to do with their personality, right? That's just, it's, it's fate. It's, it's the story of human existence that people get sick and people die. That's not because mostly because they did anything wrong. It's just because that's the nature of existence. And, So, in the face of those challenges, it's not so much, I think people, and some people still do, and and certainly in the past, feel like, well, religion has the answers. They'll say, well, all these things are happening for a reason. You know, God controls the universe, so if, if I'm suffering, it must be for some reason in God's plan. And as a liberal Jew, I don't believe in that theology, but I do think you can face the challenges of life with the wisdom of a, in this case, of Judaism, a very old wisdom tradition, and uh, which has practices that may help you become lead a life that where you recognize the uh, the blessings that you have, or where which encourages you to be generous, or which encourages compassion towards other people rather than anger or antagonism to other people and i think that's that's what it's it's fundamentally about that's why i was talking about we have this gift of our lives and are we and the question for
0: each of us is are we living them to the maximum of our ability That's a good question. Are we? In most cases, we're probably not. I know in the book, you have 11 core principles that should define today's Judaism. Before I ask you about that, though, don't you think a perspective is needed by a lot of people? Some people have very little patience about things today, especially, I think, part of it is media generated. But the point is, if you look at where we are today compared to 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, thousands of years ago, in terms of the average person, in terms of health, wealth, mobility, food on the table, et cetera, aren't we in a lot, despite everything else going on in the world right now, aren't we in a lot better shape than we were 100, 200, 300 years ago? In many ways, we are. And in in some ways, the,
1: the challenges for people 200 years ago, and truth be told, for many people in the world today, mostly not Not in America, it was just getting by. The idea of of you know being generous or being thankful for the bounty that you had was just not the experience of most people a couple hundred years ago. They were worried about are they going to have any food tomorrow? Right. It was it was a very different world, and and even before that, you know, people were dying. They had no idea about. You know, germs and illness. And so death was, you know, was all this mysterious things happening to people. So it's, you're absolutely right that broadly people's lives are, have been improved enormously by the advances of science and medicine, et cetera, et cetera. And, and in a lot of ways, I think the challenge has shifted from, from that basic subsistence, like having enough to to eat, to the interior challenges about uh, about our psychological challenges. And I don't know that people are, on the whole, more happy than they were 200 or 300 years ago, right? And you could say, well, they should be, they don't have to worry about (laughs) it. I mean, it's hard to imagine living a life Right, where you you don't know if you can have enough to feed your kids tomorrow, and then it worked out, and then but then there's the next day and the next day, right? It isn't like it's a temporary problem. It's it's the life you're living. But I I think we we now are you know we have I like to say America is defined as long time was defined as as the frontier, right? You could there was always the frontier in America we, you could go and start over again and you could get a piece of land and you know and and work your way up and you know that kind of physical frontier is doesn't exist anymore in America there isn't some you know place far away you could travel in America but but there is uh that that inner frontier of of our our psyche and our happiness and and how do we think about ourselves and how we worry about ourselves and the anxiety? And that's, those are the the current challenges as well as, you know, there's still illness and there's
0: still death. and you know, All the usual, all right? the usual standbys, right? Right. Illness yeah, I mean, Life yeah. isn't
1: perfect, but, <laughs> but there is, but we live, we imagine it kind of is in that sense is that we don't pay attention to the <laughs> fact that, you know, we're all going to die, right? But Comes with the territory,
0: yeah,
1: right. But it it is, well, what am I going to do about my my anxiety? What am I What am I going to do about my feelings of lack of success or, or too much success? You know, and all those those are the things that uh, are are challenges. And again, I think Judaism and other wisdom traditions have have. Some wisdom and and practices that you know help us to be more aware, more to pay attention in a good way to those, and perhaps react by paying attention. You can react more wisely to a challenging situation. Before, not so, like, why, why am I being annoyed here? Why am I? <laughs> you know, uh, why why is this? Why am I getting angry? What's going on? what's really going on here, you know? And, and the moment that you, you ask those questions, the moment that, that you can take a step back and say, you know, maybe I don't have to, you know, go ballistic on on my spouse, you know, or my friend. And I could take a deep breath and, and respond more wisely and more kindly, not only to the other person, but really to my,
0: myself as well. Cause I don't really want to be that person who's, Furiously angry all the time. It sounds like it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and it seems once we had the hunger issue resolved, now we have time to be neurotic. At least that's my take on it.
1: Yeah, no, I think yeah.
0: I didn't. I didn't know that was Maslow, but yes, that's. <laughs> <laughs> but in your book, you have the eleven core principles that should define today's Judaism. I'm not going to ask you to talk about all eleven, but from your point of view, what's the most important principle that should define? in your terms, should define Judaism today. And, you know, there's always that word should, but could define Judaism. Maybe that's a better term.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard to choose from the 11, but I, I think...
0: Or top three, know, how about that?
1: <laughs> no, I, I, no, I'll, we'll we'll get to as many as we can. But no, I, I begin with the first one, and I think deliberately so, that is uh, the first principle is that we're all created in the image of God. And I, I think that's the most fundamental principle of Judaism. And that means that we're, in some ways, we're all equal. As much as each of us is unique, I mean, there is no other Michael Strassfeld like me, and there will never be, right? Right. And and same about you and everybody. Um, But we're also, you know, like every other human being in terms of you know, basic bodily structure and and our minds, and our and our our desires, and and if you really hold on to that principle, then I think it's hard to be an anti-Semite, or it's hard to be a racist because it denies this basic teaching of, I think every religion, but certainly you know in Judaism and Christianity cuz share the same bible and uh, they were all created in the image of god so there how how could a group of people be treated differently if every one of us is an image of god so i think that's 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 a fundamental principle that we see you know even in america these days it's it's uh, we struggle with that principle. There, you know, people that uh, I, I think, in some ways, we've taken. You're talking about all the steps that we moved ahead from 200 years ago, mm-hmm. and even on that, we clearly have have moved ahead. I think we live in a more inclusive society, which I think the notions of inclusion also say. Well, we're going to include those people too because we're all images of God, or or the, you know else. Declaration of Independence we're all created equal. So so we've made progress but I think we have a ways to go and and sometimes it feels like we're slipping backwards.
0: When you wrote the book did you in your mind have it aimed at Jewish people alone or people of all faiths or everybody including non-believers the atheists agnostics etc.
1: I I think it's um I think, you know, as you can see from our conversation, that these are issues that everyone faces. And and I would say to people who say they're agnostic or atheist is that I, I think an important principle, which is behind many religions, is a sense that the universe is larger than we are, that the universe isn't just me. Right? Which is, in some ways, how I experience the universe, because... You're in it. <laughs> I, no, and it's, I, you know, the truth is, I have no idea what you're thinking at the moment, or any other person is thinking of that. Right. But I see the world from, you know, from my experience, through my eyes, etc. But it is an important corrective, if I could use that word, to... But really, I'm actually, you know, a small passing moment in the universe and just one of, you know, billions of people who have been here and will be here. And I think whether you call that God or whether you call that a sense of the universe and there's a way that we're all connected and and there's a unity in the universe. So I think you can have that without having, you know, a deity or, or a particular way of describing and talking about God. And uh, I think, again, that's that's key. So in some ways, the book, uh, I, you know, I come from a, I'm a rabbi. I come from a very Jewish place. So the, the book is very Jewish in terms of the source text that I'm referring to and, and taking some of the practices and kind of refashioning them to make them respond to the, the current moment better than some of the old traditions. But I do think we're all facing these questions. I think all religions are facing the challenge of the modern world. And I think people who are not religious or, you know, don't believe in God, etc., the challenges are often the same. As I, as I said, it's I don't think anybody's more anxious or less anxious, because anxious, either they believe in God or they don't believe in God, et cetera, et cetera, or more generous or less generous. And for me, Judaism has, has wisdom and practices, but I certainly think other religions have wisdom and practices. There's no monopoly on the truth. And and that people can—I I think we're seeing in America today that spirituality, which for I think a lot of people is a, a kind of religion without religion. That is, <laughs> it's it's concerned about the inner life, and and meaning, et cetera. But you know, it doesn't feel like institutions and churches and synagogues, buildings and and dogma. And, and I think everyone is concerned about the big question, which is, what is the meaning of my life? What's the, what's the purpose of my being here? in this world. And I think that's true, whatever you believe or, or don't believe. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, the tradition or traditions you're involved in provide you with with some answers or ways to think about it or practices to help you to, to go to to be in a better psychological
0: and, and emotional place. I'm curious about one word in your book title. It's Judaism Disrupted. A Spiritual Manifesto for the 21st Century, again published by Ben Yehuda Press. And the word is manifesto, as opposed to guide or suggestion. Manifesto has all kinds of things connected to that. Why did you choose manifesto? I I think I was trying to to say that
1: uh, as much as I feel connected to the Jewish tradition, uh, as handed down to us, as as it were, that I think, uh, um, again, I'll use that word, uh, we live in disruptive times. And I, I think what Judaism needs, what liberal Judaism needs going forward is not a tinkering around the edges. You know, the old thing is like, if we just had better publicity, then more people <laughs> would want to be... You know, come to synagogue and be involved in Jewish life. And, and I, you know, yeah, publicity can help, but, but if your product, if what you're selling, nobody's interested in, it it doesn't matter, you know, how good the publicity is. And, you know, taking it out of that context of publicity, et cetera, and selling, it's, I, I think we live in a very different world than the world 200 years ago. And, and I think it, that may be in some ways more true of the Jewish people who in, in the Middle Ages lived very separate and apart. And it wasn't that, you know, every day there was another program, you know, an attack on, on Jews, but it was a very, they, they interacted with their non Jewish neighbors, but culturally and religiously they lived very apart. And and we now live in this open society where the internet takes you everywhere, et cetera, et cetera, so that the world where the Jewish community, which still remains a minority, is very different. I, I like to say that the rabbis created a Judaism that was portable, that <laughs> Jews could take anywhere in the world, where which is wherever they ended up, which was everywhere, everywhere. in the world. right. And and now we need a Judaism that is permeable, that's really open to the world around us, because that's both the world we live in and it's the world we want to live in. We want to live in an open society. We want to live in an inclusive society. And so very much now, that world is part of the Jewish world, including the fact that there are increasingly numbers of people who are not Jewish, who are Part of Jewish families who married together, and again, that was not at all true in the Middle Ages, and and while some people in the Jewish community are concerned about that, I I think it's it's um, it's again not just the reality, but it is the opportunity of this moment to live in a, in a society that has fewer boundaries and is is trying to be more inclusive and more
0: open to to people rather than create hard dividing lines. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Rabbi Michael Strassfeld. He's author of the new book, Judaism Disrupted, a Spiritual Manifesto for the 21st Century, and is published by Ben Yehuda Press. The book is available on Amazon, Barnes and & Noble, and all the usual places. And for everything about Michael Straussfeld, Go to Michael Straussfeld. that's S-T-R-A-S-S-F-E-L-D, michaelstrasfeld.com. And Michael, thank you, Rabbi, for being on the show. Thank you very much. Great conversation. And join us every Thursday for a new schmear on Ira's Everything Bagel.